Hi, this is Matt Welsh with Spiritual Media Blog, and today I'm here with Jeff Brown, author of Soul Shaping and one of the creators of the movie Carmageddon and his soon-to-be-released quotes book, Ascending with Both Feet on the Ground. Jeff, thanks so much for being here with us today. My pleasure, Matt. Happy to be here. So to get started, why did you make Carmageddon? Um, I became connected to a spiritual teacher, Kirtan Chander, named Bhagavan Das, and uh, he was just coming to stay in my house, and you know, he's such a character, it just felt kind of like natural in a way to to just try to shoot a doc about what I knew was going to be a, a pretty interesting spiritual adventure. And uh, my best friend and I, who'd never made a film in our lives, just did a deal with a film film cameraman and editor right just before he came, and, and Bugs agreed with it. And, um, yeah, we just, we just went ahead. And, you know, I kind of felt like he had a message that I wanted to communicate to the world, and, and uh, we also wanted to capture some part of a journey that I had with him and, and just see what unfolded. And uh, it certainly unfolded. Yeah, it absolutely did, and it, it really seemed to go into some, some detail. And In fact, in the film, you ask Ram Das does how Bhagavan Das behave in his personal life really matter? And Ram Das says it, it does matter. I'm curious, why did you ask that question, and how would you answer it if someone asked you the same question? Hmm. Um, I asked the I asked the question because in the film, you know, and in my journey with him, so much of my struggle was to handle or to manage or to find a way to integrate his profoundly positive qualities with some of his shadow behaviors. And, you know, he's very much a worker in the shadow realms and was very comfortable exposing his shadow on, on camera. And um, But I really was confused about it. You know, I, I hadn't didn't know how to reconcile all these aspects. And and that was why I went to Ram Dass to, to figure it out, because Ram Dass knew him and had known him for 40 years and had been through, no doubt, a very similar journey with him on many different levels. And uh, and if somebody asked me the question, I, I'd say that, you know, for me, spirituality is reality. The more advanced spiritual teacher is the one who's holding all realms of reality at one time, and that includes a compassionate heart and uh there's a, there's a lot of splitting off in the spiritual field to the emotional body and notions of integrity from ideas of enlightenment. And to me, that's just spiritual bypass and, and is not an idea of spirituality that I find appealing or attractive or integrated. You know, I think if you're not moving from your heart outward, if you're not um, healthy in your emotional body, then you may have unity consciousness experiences, but I don't think you could even remotely claim to be an enlightened being. Yes, I really like that word that you use, unity consciousness. And the film seems to kind of talk about the relationship between spirituality and psychology. So I was curious, like, how can we bridge the quest for essence and unity consciousness with a healthy self, self-concept? Right. And I use the term Western consciousness to describe that. That's the emphasis in some parts of the East on the quest for unity and, and the Western emphasis on the healthy self-concept and the healthy ego and psychological working through. And if, for me, it's, it's the only way home. You know, like there's there's a lot of tradition, Matt, um, very paternalistic ideas of enlightenment that exist independent of the emotional body. In fact, they may have developed in an effort to get away from the pain body so that people talk about witnessing the pain body. Um, 
and evaporating it or softening its edges as though that's somehow an expanded consciousness experience. My view is there's no distinction, I use the term enrealment, between the emotional body and the spiritual field. In fact, you expand in your spirituality through um, your relationship and your healing of your emotional body. So, for example, you know, I have an abandonment wound, and to the extent that I can work that wound through, I mature in my spirituality. To the extent that I bypass, avoid, pretend that my wound isn't there, um, I'm not expanding in my spirituality. You know, so for me, repressed emotions are unactualized spiritual lessons. There is no distinction to be made between them. Yeah, I really agree with that, and I like how you kind of bridge that gap. But to sort of play like devil's advocate, mm-hmm. how do we balance? those unhealthy emotions with expressing them in a healthy manner? I guess to be more specific, like how can we honor and express, say, justified anger without doing more damage? Yeah. Well, I think I model that in the film. There's, the, you know, that cube scene where I tape pictures of Bhagavan Das to the scene and I shred those pictures with a baseball bat and I curse them. Um, to me, that's healthy, appropriate anger release. Anger's gotten a bad name. And it's... and. It, we have to be super careful with it because it becomes there's so much misplaced aggression on the planet and but the problem is we've gone so far too far because honoring our anger in a healthy appropriate way restores the integrity of the organism alexander lowen drew a circle you know the bioenergetics teacher and he he would show like a dent in the circle when you've been violated and he said sometimes the only way to push that violation back out and restore the circle was to express your anger um you know and they, he had all kinds of ways to do that hitting a mattress and hitting a cube and you know shouting it out and you know all of that doing all kinds of embodied practices that included expression and i think we have to cultivate that and encourage that because as we all know the repression of anger leads in all kinds of horrible directions but to and but is also particularly important because it has a lot to do with uh, establishing boundaries that are essential to our spiritual expansion. If you don't have a sense of a boundaried, intact self that you move from, your experience of unity consciousness is ungrounded and unsustainable. You have to have somebody to come home to so that your quest for unity is real. And part of having somebody to come home to is having access to all emotional streams, just making sure that you learn how to express them in a way that isn't destructive. Yeah, absolutely, and um, um, I think anger, because that's an easy one um, sort of to talk about, because you can feel anger, but what about some of these, like, unresolved emotions that we might not even be aware of, like you may have had a traumatic childhood, how can we become more aware of some of these emotions that we're repressing or might not even be aware of on the surface? Yeah. Well, you know, that's one of the, I mean, going into therapy is an essential part of the spiritual journey, in my view, but sometimes therapeutic models are too cognitive or talk-based, so people can talk their way around and never know what's held in the body. To me, body-centered practices are essential to excavating material that we may not ever even know about in our daily habitual consciousness. So, you know, bioenergetics, core energetics, holotropic breath work, um, even Osho's dynamic meditation, which involves strong dancing and movement, activating the system, you have to get the body going in order for the emotional material that's held in the body. It's not held in the mind, it's held in the body. And so for me, the deeper, as I, after many years of therapy, I began to feel frustrated with just talk therapy. I felt like I couldn't get to stuff. And and that's when I developed an interest in, in bioenergetics because in the bioenergetic model, we were doing all kinds of exercises to, to crack through the holdings 
and the characterological pattern in shallow breath, rigid musculature, you know, soldiering on in your daily life, ways of living in your physical form that actually entrap the emotional material. And, you know, with those various exercises, Alexander Lowen, uh, he has a book with his wife, uh, Leslie. They're both gone now, but they have a book called The Bioenergetic Exercise Manual that's fantastic and shows all kinds of positions and expressions that excavate the material and allow it to come into awareness. Yeah, we got to bring it into awareness before we can work it. Yeah, now, um, there might be some people out there who've heard of bioenergetics um, or body-centered therapy, but they don't know what that means. Like, could you maybe talk a little bit, like, what is bioenergetics? Bioenergetics. Yeah, bioenergetics was a body-centered psychoanalytic model. It started with Reich, who was sort of the founder of body-centered psychology, who broke away from Freud because he said Freud didn't know anything about the body. And and then Alexander Lowen and John Paracos developed bioenergetics. So it's just a model that it works on a lot of levels, but you know, it just it seeks to develop an understanding of at what point along the way you stopped feeling. And you stopped you know, what characterological patterns did you develop? So for example, you know, and how are those characterological patterns manifested in somatized, like in physical form? So, so you know, may see somebody walking by who tends to keep their head far up and away from their body. So in bioenergetics, you would note that. You'd become aware of how that was a mechanism to take you out of the feeling realms. And then you would do a number of physical exercises and encourage the verbal expression or sound that comes with it to try to come back down into the body and develop a, a streaming um, orgasmic, not sexually, but orgasmic rhythm in your system. The idea is that you should be grounded, start with your feet on the ground, and the energy should move upward in a rhythmic cycle. And that that's a fluid system, and in that fluidity you have access to all the emotions and feelings related to being alive. And most of us blocked at certain points along the way, either in the musculature sense or in habitual breathing patterns. You know, So one of the things Reich we used to do is lie people down and just watch them breathe and notice when they stopped, when they shallowed, why did they shallow, what feelings came up. And then bioenergetics took it to the next level, which is actually developing techniques and tools like a breathing stool to fall back over so you could activate it, the holdings that were held in the tightened chest. You know, So I went over Lowen's breathing stool, and all of a sudden I was aware of feelings and memories in my childhood that I, in my daily life, where I'm defending against them characterologically, would never have even known were inside of me anymore. You know, And that was their specialty. They move into the body in a way that summons all the unresolved material to the surface so it can be properly dealt with and reintegrated. That sounds amazing. That sounds it's fast. It's brilliant stuff. We're we're too overstimulated and bloody busy to do it anymore, you know. But uh, if you get the book Bioenergetics by Lowen or the book Joy by Lowen, it's absolutely the most brilliant model. And I'm not a models person, but I, I swear by it. Oh, that's, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And it also sounds like not only were you able to get into your body and feel these emotions, but it sounds like you were actually able to have memories of your childhood of, of these emotions, that were you able to experience, become more aware of these emotions that you had as a child that you were not aware of then? Uh, absolutely. M- I mean, with the memories come the feelings, and with the feelings come the memories, you know. And, and not just bioenergetics. I mean, I spent a lot of time working on the massage table with this brilliant massage therapist named Kathleen McKay who used to work for hours on me. And and as we did deeper and deeper work, particularly in my neck area, to break through my tightness, I would go back to older and older memories uh, of emotional holding over time. It was like it was layered and 
buffered and defended against and armored against my body and it's all in the body you know we just got to wake up the body and to do that is a very courageous and difficult path you've really got to want to go back there and you know i mean i guess that's the decision all seekers make how 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 far are they willing to push to reclaim the integrity of their emotional being you know yeah that's um that's a good point um and to sort of get back to the film one thing i have enjoyed this conversation and your work in the past is you're very honest about different lessons that you've learned so i'm kind of curious what did you learn about yourself um by making this film I learned partly one of the things that I learned Matt, was was how ungrounded I can be, you know. I mean, you know, we write about the thing we most need to to learn about or teach the thing we most need to learn and you know, like Ram Dass said be here now to remind himself to be here now and I talk a lot about grounded spirituality because I have a a tendency to be ungrounded. You know, that was a a mechanism that I developed to cope with my early life and so this movie forced me to really come back in touch with that. So the part of me that was only in the first part of the film willing to look at Bhagavan Das's light and ignore his shadow was an ungrounded part of me, right? You know, living in the fantasy rather than the whole reality, holding it at one time. And So that was part of it. And, you know, there, there was an additional learning. I won't get too far into it at the end of the film where I, you know, connect my transference onto him, my inability to stand him down verbally and directly with, some early childhood experiences and so the journey with him definitely brought those to the surface you know things related to my father I mean I'd done a lot of work in my therapy around my mother but I'd somehow sidestepped the father wound you know and this experience with him helped to bring the father wound more uh, more closely to the surface you know oh wow um, and I'm also curious. Um, I mean, the, the sound, this film is probably, I imagine, has gotten a wide range of reactions. Yeah. What sort of reactions have you received from people who watched it? Well, mostly, mostly. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's a juicy film. I mean, it brings up so much conversation, and mostly positive. You know, people who've been in difficult situations with spiritual teachers and not talked about them feel liberated to talk about them, and and people who've been in all kinds of challenging relationships that they regret or, or wonder what what motivated them to stay in those connections, feel liberated to talk about them. And, you know, and the whole piece around the young women and all of that stuff needs to be talked about. And, and on the negative side of it, there's a small group of people that support him who, you know, there's just a whole spiritual bypass movement around that, that doesn't include accountability, that, you know, these notions of right or wrong, theft is bad, theft is... They see these things as somehow mundane, secondary concerns, you know. And, you know, there's there's a whole lot of stuff in the various spiritual communities that supports non-accountability, you know. I mean, you can understand gurus, you know, put in place rules so that communities couldn't talk about things that happened, almost like toxic families. And... Um, so there's a lot of controversy around whether or not this had to be revealed and what the point of revealing it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's coming from every direction. <laughs> I put my, I put back on my armor. That's all I can say. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's something, I, that's something I like is the film, as you just mentioned, it seems to highlight, um, 
the question whether there must be congruity between a teacher's personal life and their mm-hmm. teachings. Mm-hmm. And you talked about that a little bit, but would you mind maybe yeah. talking a little bit more about that? Well, well, you know, there's a lot. It's so interesting. We we didn't include this footage in the film. It was a bit too heady. But, you know, I had asked a number of these people what the relationship is between enlightenment and integrity or morality. And yeah. one of them in particular, who's part of the Neem Karoli Baba Sangha, he, and he's a very scholarly person in terms of that stuff, the traditions, he said, there is no relationship. There, you know, enlightenment comes to who it comes to. And I, it's just something about, I could understand that a unity moment could come to who it comes to. I could understand that a peak experience could come to who it comes to. But enlightenment, I mean, the word is part of the problem. You know, I use the term enrealment, which means that you have to be expanding in every direction at one time. Right, yeah. and that includes the emotional field. It just didn't make sense to me. Maybe this is that's a male paternalistic model that the heart's include this. The heart is excluded from the equation of expansion, whereas a more divine feminine oriented model, which I'm aligned with, I think, is that uh, the compassionate heart has to be part of it. So, in other words, if you're not caring about others in your behavior, you can't call yourself enlightened, because clearly you're not worked through in terms of your heart chakra. You know, yeah. and and that just feels intuitively right to me, and feels theoretically true to me that everything has to be uh, growing and healing and expanding at the same time, and and you know, otherwise you can't call it enlightened. You call it something else, but you can't call it that. Yeah, absolutely, and it also, at the very, very least, it seems to have an effect on the teacher's credibility. Um, yeah, well, that's right. But if they get a small minion of supporters who they've somehow duped into believing that these questions of integrity are completely secondary, low-level, you know, human, personal identification-oriented constructs, then they can get away with, well, anything, actually. Yeah. I mean, and and then people drink the Kool-Aid. That's what happens. Yeah, I think what Ram Dass said is just right. He said, you know, you have to be able to justify your actions on every plane of awareness. End of story. Bottom line one of the core premises of expanded consciousness. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. just makes sense. It just makes perfect sense. Otherwise, you can claim to be a specialist. I mean, I think what happens is a lot of these teachers develop a specialty, like ment- what, you know, what David at Sane Magazine calls mental enlightenment. You know, it's like they become experts at wa- witnessing or watching their consciousness. But, you know, that has nothing to do with being developed on every level. If they haven't worked through their pain body, then clearly they have a part that hasn't been attended to. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think it also it makes it more difficult for other people to benefit from their teachings. Cause... Right. But you stay away from them. You know, or you, or you go there with the awareness, and quite often seekers are desperate so they don't think about it with awareness, that you're there to, to have a certain thread that they specialize in, reflected back at you. So you go see Bhagavan Das when you want to have the chanting crack open experience, if he calls to you. But you don't go there and sit there and imagine that because he's had that, that chanting has that effect on you, as I did, that it means he's realized on every other level. He's not. He's just a specialist at that one track. So we go bouncing from teacher to teacher to try to grok the track, to get close to it, to pull it out of ourselves. And then at the once that's happened, we move in another direction. We don't stay affixed and affiliated, and in the delusion and the illusion that they've got it all worked out, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I kind of want to go back to one thing you briefly touched upon earlier when you talked about the the masculine and the feminine, 
and how how can we balance that? I mean, how can how can a man balance their masculinity and their femininity without coming off too much like a jerk or coming off, in all honesty, too much like kind of a um, a, a, a weenie or wussy? I mean, a weenie. Do you hard. use the word weenie, Matt? I couldn't think of a word. I, I love mean, that word, weenie. You're such a weenie, better, man. <laughs> I, I mean, I know there's got to be a, better, a more politically correct term. No, let's be politically incorrect. I'm much more comfortable. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You don't want to be a macho shithead, and you don't want to be a weenie. So, right. I mean, I don't know. I guess you know that's a, this is a whole other topic, but I, I think we we got to learn to play in all fields, and we have to be comfortable exploring ways of being. You know, I remember for me just letting that massage worker peel away my layers and open me, you know, to a more receptive experience, which I associated with the feminine. Was I had many judgments about it, you know, like that I'm a weenie, you know. It's, yeah. why am I coming so close to the tear body? You know, I've been very good at sidestepping the tear body, and uh, and and we have so many judgments. But I I think we have to keep stepping out into a more expanded field of possibility. And you know, I think gender is just a way station on the path to wholeness. And if we really get that. You know, we still have to live in, a, in the gender experience. We incarnated in that way for a reason, but we also can, you know, stop taking it so darn seriously. Yeah, yeah, that makes that makes sense. Um, well, we've uh, we've been talking for a while, and I just really appreciate your time. I mean, is there any any other topics of the film you feel like are important that you want to talk about or speak about? Well, I'm, I mean, I just am. I am interested in, just in, if you want to share just what your experience. How did you feel about the film, and what came up for you watching the film? Um. Well, I really like kind of how you did expose, um, kind of the shadowy aspects of spiritual teachers. It just seems to me it adds so much more credibility to um, a spiritual teacher or an author. Um, when they can be more credible with their work and have it in alignment. Um, but then at the same time, I guess part of me, you don't want to be like too judgmental or too moralistic. So it's just mm-hmm. kind of, that was interesting to sort of see that part of it. And, um, and, and did you have a reaction before. to the gender piece? You know, like there's a scene in the film where he talks about having sex with a 13-year-old, you know, did you, as a man, have have a, feel revolted by that, or did you just did that just pass over you, or? You know, and I have no judgment, but I'm curious about that. Yeah, I mean that. I mean, right right now, I'm having a reaction to that. I mean, yeah, that made me angry. It's like, I I it's like that just sort of behavior just seems to be like reprehensible. It's like for so many different reasons. I mean, on, on a psychological level, a 13 year old girl. Very, very could be very psychologically damaging to her, um, and it's like, why would that? How how would you justify that sort of behavior? Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it just it just seems. I mean, what 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 were your thoughts? What are your thoughts on that? I guess. Well, I mean, you know, when I first heard that, I knew that internally I quaked, but there was a part of me that was still in this transference onto him, and. So I was, and I was making a film. So I was more just being a filmmaker in that moment. And and, but over time, it it crept into me, you know. And 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 you, you saw in the second part of the film, he came back to Toronto to be with an eighteen-year-old girl. And so it all started to creep into me, and understand what was happening here. And 
Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that it's, um, you know, it, it's one thing for somebody to be, I guess, an 18-year-old, like an immature 18-year-old reciting this kind of a story to his friends and thinking it's cool. I mean, you know, I, it's not something that would have appealed to me as an 18-year-old, but I kind of a little bit understand that. But, you know, to be over 60 years old and tell the story laughingly without having developed any compassion for that girl you know, and I understand a little bit. Like he comes, they come. Him and the people around him come from this whole. You just, the, you just jump into the full catastrophe. It's almost like there are no boundaries and judgments anymore. And, but I, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, there's something deeply wrong with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I mean, and, and, and he said that of his own volition. I mean, that's what's even more. It's not like anybody coached him. I mean. You know, I mean, we were just shooting interviews, and and he was telling his biography, and he told a story. You know, so it was clearly a story he wanted to tell the world, which makes it even more interesting in a way. Like, what? Why would you want the world to know that? Most people wouldn't tell the world that. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just, I mean, I don't know. I I just sort of look at it, I don't know, just from a very like practical sense. It's like, I mean, he he's he's a guy. There's just no need for it. It's like what. What role does that have in his in his life? Why would he even pursue to act on that desire? It just seems very selfish and reckless. Hmm. No comment. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I'm normally, but I'm yeah. So I'm kind of it's glad kind of beyond our imagining in a way, right? I mean, we yeah. we just don't get that. Yeah, but in one in, on a on a similar but separate but related question. I mean that question and that conversation it, you'd probably tell brought up some some anger for me. And one thing I liked about your your work in the film is you, is you talk about how it's okay to have anger and still be spiritual. Um, and so I guess one thing I, I get kind of annoyed sometimes when you hear these spiritual teachers who tell you. Yeah, anger is horrible. It's a yeah. sin when in reality it's like, yeah, go ahead. They're bypassers. I mean, that's just like the non, you know, that whole, they're just bypassing the emotional body and calling that spirituality. I call that self-avoidance masquerading as enlightenment. Yeah. That's yeah. all. To me, it's not that complicated. I mean, it's, you know, it's a, I can understand wanting to get away from the pain body and the the rage body. I mean, it's uncomfortable and Many of us don't have the tools or techniques we need to work that through to resolution, transformation, and healing. But, you know, to dismiss, you know, anger is part of the human field. God created anger for a reason and yeah. properly handled. It's a reflection of violation and expressing anger appropriately as a way to restore your integrity. I mean, it's part of the human field for a reason. And, you know, it's 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 what happens is spirituality becomes defined as something unnatural so you know you tell somebody you're pissed off at someone and they say well that's not a very spiritual thing to say well why isn't it yeah if spirituality means reality it means we're living in everything which is what it means to me it's completely spiritual yeah to say it because spiritual becomes defined as everything soft touch gentle kind and floaty bliss tripping our way to god and you know that's unsustainable too it's not human it's human to be in everything, all of it, and just to learn to refine it to become more appropriate with how you manage it, you know, rather than throwing the whole anger trip out with the bathwater. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, yeah, I want to, I want to stress that too. It's like you said, it's, it's, it's not 
necessarily like anger is not necessarily a good thing to just be angry, but just no. like being able to express it appropriately and handle it effectively. It's it's how we kind of manage it and express it in a very healthy and appropriate manner. That's sounds like that's the key. I think that's it exactly. So so our spirituality doesn't throw anything out. Yeah. Everything's part of it. The key is learning how to work with it in the way that's the healthiest and the best intentioned. You know. Rather than calling spirituality that which is fragmented and limited to certain intellectual or emotional experiences, right? Because that's what a lot of the non-dual teachers are doing. They're just partialing it out. You know, they're just cutting off aspects and calling it. You know, you can't you can't be in the non-dual field, in the unity field, and exclude anger, the emotional body, the pain body, personal identifications, the self, and your physical form from it. That's not non-duality. That's convenient version of non-duality if you're really in a unity field everything is there with you right right absolutely um yeah no it's the it's the integration it's the integration of our of our spiritual body and psychology and emotions and everything here we are it's all here yeah and it's learning how to work with it in the in just the right way that's all and that's the work, and that's hard work. And you can see the temptation to fragment our idea of spirituality so we don't have to do all that hard work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, and this has been really fascinating. I'm also kind of curious, what's uh, what's next for you? Um, I mean, I, I sort of always see on, on Facebook, see your, see your website, and you, you have any new projects or new movies yeah. coming Yeah, my new, my new quotes book. Is coming out in about a month. I'm I'm just so excited about this. It it really I just I didn't have a lot of time to write a new book, so I put together a book of my sort of good blogs, like apologies to the divine feminine, and about 170 of my my best quotes, most popular Facebook status and excerpts, and you know I call it ascending with both feet on the ground, words to awaken your heart. So that book should be ready in about a month, and. And in the meantime, I've started two other books, a higher consciousness love story that I've been wanting to write forever and um, and a book about my model of spirituality. And I don't know, I think I'll probably finish the spirituality book uh, within the next 8 to 12 months and then get lost in the love book. And and after that, I'd like to t- take a radio show. You know, I've been offered a lot of radio shows of my own, and I feel like that's the next step. I, I just like to get the books written first. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. now with, um, yeah, with, like, radio is really a good medium now with, like, Internet and mm-hmm. FM and even Sirius and XM. There's a lot, Amazing. Of, a lot, a lot of, of possibilities. Yeah, feels really good to me. Um, that's great. And then the love story one is that gonna, when you say love story, are you talking about romantic love or just kind of a more of an altruistic personal love of ourselves and others? No, it's there was a love experience I wrote about in Soul Shaping in the love a love chapter called Love's Lessons and. So this is an expansion, a whole book about higher consciousness love, what comes up, what gets in the way, you know, how to have a real soulmate experience, what's sustainable oh. about it, what isn't. Yeah, it's it's going to be in, a little bit intense, <laughs> I think. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other another topic. Maybe we can have a whole other radio show on that topic. We could. It's fantastic. I mean, yeah, you know, when I post the status or I, I – pull a thread i've written, started writing some of that book and i put it up on facebook they, it goes crazy it you know this relationship is really the thing that so many people really want to talk about yeah yeah and it comes it brings up a lot of these same topics of balancing our, our emotion and our personal desires yep. and our morals yeah all of that same so. field exactly right exactly right yeah 
Yeah, I'll I'll send you that book when I have that book. Maybe we can do an interview and we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, well, I really really appreciate you being here. Um, the movie is Carmageddon, and where where can people get a copy, or how can people get in touch with you? They can download the film or purchase the DVD, which will be ready soon at CarmageddonTheMovie.com, or if they go in off SoulShaping.com, there's a link to the film website right at the top. Um, that sounds great. Um, well, Jeff, I really appreciate your time, and, and if, I'll give you the last words. Do you have any closing remarks you can leave our listeners with? Just to be um, just to be true to path, you know. I, I feel like like all of that. This is about that, and you know, even in those, one of the things that the film feels is important to me about the film is to communicate to people, you know, that in most every even difficult relationship there is some wonderful transformation at the heart of it and rather than beating ourselves up for mistakes or choices we've made you know to not just instead to self-reveal and not do the shame trip and just learn the lesson at the heart of the connections i mean so many have written us and me and said i can't believe you fell for bhagavan das and you know bhagavan das has a lot of wonderful qualities and and people fall for all kinds of people as part of learning and expansion. We learn at the School of Hard Knocks. And I guess if the message is anything, it's just to, for us to develop more comfort with that, not be ashamed of ourselves, and just learn the lesson and move forward. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. All right, well, it's Jeff Brown, and his movie is Carmageddon. And thanks again for being here with us today. Thanks, Matt. Take care. <laughs>